1: Hey everybody, it's Dan. This is our Browns post-game show after the Browns clinched the playoffs with a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're going to hear from Mary Kay Cabot and then Doug, Scott, and Ellis are all going to join me along with our crew of Football Insider subscribers. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, now is the time they are in the playoffs. You want to be a Football Insider subscriber, you get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com. You get an exclusive newsletter every single day written by a member of our Browns team and you get a chance to be a part of our subscription our texting service. i should say where you get to be a part of things like this post game show or a pix pod uh you get texts from us uh we can talk back and forth directly with you it's great so head to cleveland.com slash browns click on the blue banner at the top of the page for more information and to get signed up and now our post game playoff edition post game podcast Hey everybody, welcome to our post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns 24-22 winners over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And of course, that means the Browns are headed to the playoffs the first time since 2002. Uh, we will get uh, Ellis on here shortly. Uh, Doug Maurice will join us. Scott Patzko will join us. Uh, but first, Mary Kay Cabot here to kick us off. And Mary Kay... I mean, just what a moment for this franchise, for these fans. I mean, there are only 12,000 fans here, but it was loud. Uh, they were celebrating uh, a very close game, maybe a little closer than some people would have wanted. But regardless, uh, this team is in survive and advance mode and and they survived today and they are in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, they, they really did. I mean, they knew they had to have this game. They knew they needed it obviously. And uh and just the feeling, the energy in in the stadium after they won, it was really uh, fun to be here and to see that. Uh, It was fun to see Baker celebrating with the fans and, you know, waving his hands and, uh, you know, the fist bump after the the keeper. There was just a lot of emotion. There was uh, Miles Garrett running over to Mason Rudolph. So uh, there was just so much going on in this stadium, so many good feelings. Like you said, it, it was a little closer a little closer than, uh, than the Browns obviously wanted it to be, but they finished it off and that's all they needed to do. They needed to win this game and get into the tournament. They are in the tournament for the first time since 2002 longest streak in the NFL snapped 17 straight seasons with no playoffs. That is over now for long suffering Browns fans.
1: And uh, you know, it, it comes with uh you know, not just long-suffering Browns fans, but you think about a guy like, you know, Joel Betonio, who's been here since 2014. Uh, you know, J.C. Treder came here the year they went 0-16. Miles Garrett was drafted that year. It, you know, Jarvis Landry came here in 2018 and talked about wanting to change the culture, and, and this was sort of he kind of represented a lot of things for this organization in that regard. Um, you know, so for the fans, obviously, this is big, but there's a lot of players, too, in that locker room, even with all the turnover that has happened over the years here, uh, there are a lot of players in that room that, that really um, I'm sure are just cherishing this opportunity.
2: Yeah, there really are. I mean, it was just, uh, it was an emotional time afterwards. You could tell how much it means to guys like Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, guys that have been around for a long time, not necessarily here the whole time, even, uh, you know, Jarvis obviously was in Miami first, but uh, just it, this, They wanted this one really bad. You could tell Nick Chubb, I mean, just from the very first run of this football game, that he wanted this, right? They know how much it means to the city. They know how much it means to each other. This is a close-knit football team. They've gotten to know each other. They care about each other. Uh, They're running through walls for each other. They love their coach. I mean, there's just a lot of really good things going on with this team right now.
1: I want to talk about this, though, Uh, just kind of looking at the vibe of of this football team. Um, You know, we're not in the locker room. So obviously that, uh, you know, that kind of changes how we can kind of get a feel for things. And this would have been a great day, of course, to be in that locker room. I'll say this, listening to all these guys on Zoom, listening to Kevin Stefanski on Zoom, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, I think there was excitement, but I don't know. I got the sense that this message of they're not done yet, that it's, you know, there's more work to be done. I feel like that certainly is something that got delivered to these players in that locker room, in that celebratory locker room that, you know, enjoy this, but they're not satisfied with this.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely 100% correct. Uh, To a man, they were all saying, you know what, we haven't done what we want to do yet. We're happy that we punched the ticket to get into the tournament, but now we've got to keep going. And that's how this team has operated all season long focused on the next game, focused on the next game. Kevin Stefanski does a great job of doing that. And Baker Mayfield is one of the ones that I think that more so than anyone uh, has really tried to say, there's a new standard in town. So he's trying to almost educate the fans and sort of heal the fans of all these long suffering years to say, look, just getting to the playoffs, that's that's not what we're all about. We want to go to the Super Bowl. Joel Batonio talked about the Super Bowl a lot the other day. (laughs) I mean, these, right? I mean, these guys are in it to win it they're not here uh you know just to oh let's see what it feels like to go to the playoffs (laughs) like that's not what they want I mean they already know you know I know why that they are already thinking this way because they know that they have to go into Heinz Field and try to beat this football team that almost just beat them both sides had a lot of guys out both sides have a lot of guys out both sides are going to get a lot of guys back next week. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be hard fought. It's going to be intense. It's going to be crazy. And uh and and they know what faces them now by having to go into Heinz Field and try to beat Big Ben and the Steelers.
1: Yeah, and and look, let's let's talk real quickly about what we saw in this football game specifically. Like I mentioned off the top, it was not a pretty football game. Uh I do feel like Kevin Stefanski kind of kept things a little bit close to the vest today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if he just felt like that's what he could do. I'm, I'm going to ask uh, our buddy Doug about this in the post-game show because he, uh, he yelled at me when I suggested that that might happen this week with, uh, with Kevin Stefanski and his game plan. But, um, you know, I, I feel like he kept it a little bit vanilla and that's okay because it worked. I'm curious to see kind of what they look like next week, uh, because it just it felt today like they kind of did just enough to beat the Steelers kind of second and third teamers. And I think we'll see it. We'll definitely see a very different Steelers team. but We're going to see a very different Browns team, too, I think.
2: Yeah. You know what's interesting? Yes, I think we will see a very different team on both sides but what was interesting about today I thought is that Mason Rudolph brought something now Ben did get it back against the Colts in the second half but Mason Rudolph brought that long ball right I mean he had passes of 41 41 and 47 now a lot of that is because Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson were both out this game what we don't know yet is and this is important we don't know if either of those guys are going to be back for the Steelers game we just don't know that yet Uh, Denzel Ward will be cutting it close Kevin Johnson I don't know if he's a positive or if Kevin Johnson is a close contact. I've been trying to figure that out since yesterday and I don't know. But if they don't have Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson back, then they are gonna be vulnerable again uh, to that big play. And I, I was thinking today, if, if, if Ben can't hit it, they, sh- they could bring Mason Rudolph in off the bench occasionally, like they did today with, uh, with Dobbs to, you know, to kind of platoon things a little bit. So that'll be interesting to watch uh, as they go forward. But yeah, I do think that that Kevin might have played it a little bit close to the vest today. And I think they really just wanted to protect the football. I think they knew that uh, the number one thing for them was to, to not lose the turnover battle. That's their formula. Uh, it's to try to get turnovers. And they got a huge one from MJ Stewart that uh, was basically the difference in the game. Um, so that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to uh, use the heck out, out of Nick Chubb, let him run the ball. He had over a hundred yards, went over a thousand, uh, got the party started with a 47 yard touchdown. Uh, but you're right. I think they did kind of play it a little close to the vest. You didn't see too, too many, you know, shots downfield. I mean, they've got Minka Fitzpatrick. They've got guys that can go back there and, and pick off the ball. They didn't have Joe Hayden. I don't think they're even going to have Joe Hayden for their playoff game. Uh, also based on COVID-19.
1: Yeah, that's um, the, the COVID situation is going to be interesting. The Browns have to monitor that with Denzel Ward as well. They're going to have some coaching issues. Uh, they, they have to keep an eye on, of course, with Bill Callahan. He's not going to be able to be out on the practice field with these guys. You and I were talking about that before the game. Um, so that's, uh, you know, there's, look, COVID is going to have an effect on the playoffs. That's just how it's going to be. We've seen it already, ways it's going to affect the playoffs. And I would imagine, I'm not saying it's going to be this team specifically, but there will be teams this week that are going to be going into playoff games. And COVID is going to impact who they do and don't have available uh, beyond what
2: we've already seen. Yeah I mean what the Browns have to hope is I mean it's been a really stressful two weeks of, of COVID tests and shutdowns and all that kind of stuff. They have to hope that that they've gotten through the worst of it because they cannot have the kind of week where they're wondering if Jarvis is going to play and they're wondering if Baker's going you know I mean they just can't have that. Uh, they, they need everybody that they can get They should get some guys back for this game. They don't know if they're going to get Harrison Bryant back. They don't know for sure if they're going to get Malcolm Smith back. And like I said, they don't know if they're going to have Denzel Ward back. What they don't need is more guys going on the COVID list. They need a full complement. They need a full roster of players to try to go in uh, to Pittsburgh and try to win this football game so that they can advance in the playoffs. They're not happy with just getting here.
1: So, you know, Mary Kay, before I let you go, we have, I feel like we have to go back to kind of talking about this team finally making the playoffs. It has been Mm -hmm. since 2002. They haven't had a winning season since 2007. When when you really put this in perspective, I mean, just with everything that was happening this year, all the stuff we were just talking about, a first-year head coach, no off-season. Now, J.C. Treader doesn't think there should be an off-season program to begin with, but regardless, the Browns did not get that off-season program. A shortened training camp, no preseason games um this is not a particularly easy offensive system to learn and yet here we are the Browns won 11 games they've only won more than 11 games in franchise history I think maybe once this is really this isn't as impressive a run as probably the the most impressive run they've had since they came back in 1999 I mean the significance of this and the long-term potential that we've seen this year I don't think we can overstate that
2: Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, I I think that what you're seeing here is the beginning of something great. Uh, This should be long term sustained success. And I think that Browns fans can now get excited that the dysfunction is over. The winning is here it should stick around for a very long time. I think they nailed it with Kevin Stefanski. My goodness. I mean, to be able to navigate this team through all the stuff that he has had to, it's been phenomenal. So good for him. Uh, I think he's, he's an excellent candidate for, for coach of the year. Uh, There there's a lot of talent on this football team. They have a great coaching staff. And they're just, there's, you know, the, the craziness, the madness, the insanity is over. I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns have finally nailed it. They finally nailed a really good organization and it took for so long to do it, uh, but they did it. And this is, uh, this is a great first step. It's a great first step to years of contending for the playoffs. They're in a very difficult AFC North. I mean, they're in a tough division. They got Joe Burrow. They've got Lamar Jackson. This is a good AFC North division. You've got to be really good. And now they can hang in their division.
1: So what are are your expectations here before I let you go? As this team heads into their first playoff game on Sunday, we're going to talk about this a ton this week on the pod, I know, but – just right now, what are your expectations for this football team in the playoffs?
2: You know, my expectation is that they're going to go into Pittsburgh. They're going to have a really good game plan. They're going to give them a hell of a fight. Uh, it, it's going to be a dog fight to the end, probably just like it was today. Um, I, I can't say for sure yet if I'm going to pick them to, to win the game yet, because I know that's going to be a really hard thing to do in Hinesfield against Big Ben, uh, who has just killed them since 2004. Uh, but it, this is a gutsy, spirited team. It's an aggressive coaching staff. They're going to, they're going there to win this football game. And I know they're going to give, give them a hell of a fight. And they've got a hell of a lot of talent on this Cleveland Browns football team. And there's no reason. And we have said this many times on our podcast, they can pretty much beat anybody in the NFL on a good day. And a lot of it, as you saw today, came down to a turnover or takeaway. Uh, So there's no reason why they can't beat the Steelers. There's no reason why they can't beat most of the teams they are about to face in the playoffs.
1: Okay, well, it should be fun. Um, And of course, like I said, we'll be talking about it all week long on this very podcast leading up to a playoff game at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, which of course is the last place that the Browns played a playoff game. And as we all remember, probably should have won that playoff game. So maybe a chance to, uh, to make amends for that. Uh, this week. Mary Kay, I will let you go. Ellis has jumped in. Scott has jumped in. I'm sure Doug's going to be joining us here soon, so I will let you go and get back to work, and then I will catch up with you a little bit later.
2: Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Dan.
1: Okay, so there you have it. This is our Browns post game show, the playoff edition, the Browns 24-22 winners over the Pittsburgh Steelers as I said before survive and advance that's what the Browns did today against Pittsburgh and uh, Mason Rudolph and company they had to survive a two-point try there at the end Uh, here is your chance to uh, jump on if you want to have your voice heard on our post-game show you can do that you can turn on your video if you want to do that as well if you want to just hang out in the background or or jump in the chat um, you can also uh, do that I'm, I'm watching the chat as we go along so uh, welcoming on Ellis and Scott Pat, Ellis Williams and Scott Patsko. Um, Ellis, you were kind of sitting there listening to us talk. This, this game was not a, a picture of beauty for the Browns. And, and I talked about it on Friday in our pick spot. I kind of said it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns were a little bit vanilla in this football game and we've already got people dancing on camera here celebrating the Browns playoff win. it wouldn't surprise me if the game plan was a little bit vanilla today um, going against this team. Did you kind of see that from them or did, you know, did I miss something?
3: No, I think you're accurate in, in this way. It's going to take the the week and re-watching this game to figure out if it, it was a vanilla game plan or if this is what not practicing all week materialized right. field. And, and that's what I can't figure out right now because the team with more talent won the football game today. And the context is extremely important that in terms of the game, it, it's exactly what you said. It, it wasn't pretty. You wrote about it. No style of points needed. A win's a win. But this was the first time all year I was just not impressed with Kevin Stefanski's game plan. And again, context is extremely important. We can analyze the game. The game's the game. But the context is this team didn't practice all week and they're coming off a game where they didn't have a single receiver and two offensive linemen out. And then when you follow that up on the heels of not practicing, that's probably what you end up seeing. So this is not me being hard on Kevin Safansky or, or this team because the wins the win, but the game showed uh, just a, a shaky game plan, some rust and some stuff they worked out. And that's why I don't know. Is it, was it vanilla? Was the plan, not to show a whole lot or did they just not have a time to get things in order to be as crisp as they can but at the end of the day that probably doesn't matter because assuming a normal week of practice this offense is going to look a lot better in Pittsburgh next week at least that's what I'm forecasting.
1: Yeah Scott I kind of feel like that's it and as Ellis mentioned with those receivers it's also worth noting they weren't out there on Wednesday so they even had one less practice and the Browns were unable to hold a walkthrough on Saturday as well so You know, those receivers, Higgins, Peoples-Jones, Landry, Hodge, um, who, by the way, made one heck of a catch out there um, near the goal line today. Uh, Those those guys only had one practice, and it wasn't a very long practice to begin with. So I think it was probably more that than Kevin Stefanski looking ahead. But, you know, the reality is the Browns are going to Pittsburgh next week, and they they didn't really have to show a whole lot.
4: Well, they didn't have Harrison Bryant. I mean, you know, that's the key to your offense if you're the Browns, right? (laughs) No, I think this is, you know, I think it was Baker last week mentioned how that whole week was 2020 encapsulated. And this game, I think can be part of that because it's just a weird situation with the practice issues and and both teams missing key players. And, you know, it's hard to really come away from this game with defined takeaways, because you know that next week, er everything changes. And, you know, you're you're assuming that you're going to get uh, some people back you're hoping that you're going to get someone like Denzel Ward back um, so yeah it's this is a game where they just had to do what they had to do to win and if you're Kevin Stefanski with the possibility that you're going to play the Steelers again that's a weird balancing act you know how much do you do you show them that maybe you, you know you don't want to show them because you might play them next week but at the same time you're the team here that's got to win this game so it's it's just an odd game and we've had a lot of odd games this season <laughs>
1: Well, and, and listen, this is the uh, kind of the point of what you're saying is, or at least, you know, my takeaway from this game is, is pretty simple. We, we reached the point here this week and really you could have made the case last week too. There's, there's really only one thing that matters and that's you're ahead in the scoreboard when that clock says zero. That's the, that's what it is right now. You know, this, this team will watch the film like they always do. They'll teach off the film like they always do. But you know, here we are. If you're ahead, when the clock reads zero, you get to play next week. If you're not, you're cleaning out your lockers on Monday and the, and the Browns did what they had to do today. And they, it wasn't pretty. They had to stop a two point try. Uh, Mason Rudolph helped them out a lot on that throw to chase Claypool. And they'll take it because they came away winners and they get to go against the Steelers again next week. Doug LaMaurice has joined us uh, here on the post game show. <laughs> and, and Doug Rory welcomes you in by saying, uh, Doug Baker deserves an extension. So let's talk about Baker <laughs> and extensions. Not really. <laughs> Doug how, how did you feel watching this game Um, I mean I,
5: I don't know that I was surprised by how it played out in any way uh, you know what I, I really thought maybe you guys covered this like there were a lot of throws where like Robert Jackson and Terrence Mitchell and guys were like right there with the receivers and the Steelers still made plays that they didn't make great plays on the ball necessarily but I thought that you know Chase Claypool and Mason Rudolph there's only a certain number of throws they're going to hit but they deserve credit for hitting some of those throws I I don't trust the Browns defense fully but like I thought they fought you know like I thought they it could be frustrating that they gave up that stuff at the end but like Robert Jackson shouldn't be in that spot right and he was fighting man like he was he was trying to hang in there they weren't it didn't feel like they were just like blowing coverages left and right that we have, like we've seen them do. Sometimes this, the Steelers were just hitting throws when coverage was there. So um, I think it was a little frustrating early that the offense didn't just like take over. Right. And just like put this game away, but then a couple got to have it drives in the second half they did. So I I thought it was very familiar. Um, It made sense to me that it wasn't easy but I also as, agree with you guys. I mean, I think you just almost throw it out, you know, that Cam Hayward and TJ Watt are going to be back and hopefully Denzel Ward is back. And so much of that changes everything, but it's gonna be a lot tougher next week. But absolutely, absolutely. The Browns can compete this week because they did
1: play their best today. And they still won. I, I mean, listen, if, if you expect, you know, if people were expecting Robert Jackson to be amazing today, it wasn't going to happen. You know, there's a reason that the football was going at Robert Jackson a lot today. The Steelers knew he was out there and they were going to attack that. Um, so, again, you hope that this game gets scheduled when Denzel Ward can get back. And since you get to play the Steelers again, there's a really good chance that that game will get put on a Sunday and that Denzel Ward could hopefully be back for it. Listen, let's, let, let's, you know, Mary Kay and I got to talk about this, and I want to let you guys talk about this. Um, the Browns are in the playoffs. Scott. I mean, put that in perspective for everybody in your own words.
4: Man, uh, <laughs> we don't have to talk about 1994 anymore. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, we tend to go back to like, you know, 2016 and think about this as some sort of uh, cycle that began there, you know, everything got torn down and the guys who survived, you know, one in 31 and, and, and all that. <clears throat> um, but you know, this this really does go back to, to 2002 and even beyond that, because in 2002, even though they beat the Falcons, they still had to sweat out a game. I think the Jets won or lost that year, and and that eventually allowed them to get in. The Browns won it, and they're in the playoffs. They had to win this game to get in, and they did that, and they didn't have to worry about anything else. So um, that in itself, I think it's just – it's been a long time since they've been in that position and actually came through in that position. So it's, I mean, fans should be happy about that, that there was no backing in, even though this season kind of, there were some stumbles near the end. This team is 11 and five and Hey, the they don't fumble against the jets. They're 12 and four, you know, and who, who would have thought that at the beginning of the season, not us. We, nobody was predicting 12 and four or, or even 11 and five. I don't believe on, on our staff. So hey, I,
1: I, I said eight and eight. <laughs> Doug, I mean from your perspective, what what does it mean when I say the Browns are in the playoffs? You
5: know, I think it does. I mean, I, I know what Scott's saying, but I, but this is the culmination of something. There were no shortcuts here. But this is not a surprise either. This was a an absolute process that did have some twists and turns, but this franchise after going 5 and 11 and 6 and 10 for too long, did tear it down and start over with no guarantees but with some kind of a plan and they didn't adhere strictly to it the whole way, but it started there and they are reaping the benefits of that. And they had to do a lot of good stuff along the way to get here. They had to do a lot of good stuff. This is not magical. There is nothing magical about this. This is not Tom Brady in the sixth round. This is not, you know, Patrick Mahomes is somehow there at 10 and you make one trade and it's like, Oh, we got the best quarterback in history, of the NFL. Like, Miles Garrett is excellent and they made a smart pick to get him at number one, but this is, this is an absolute plan. It was a slog in a lot of ways. And everybody listening to this right now lived through it, but this was what was always coming. It wasn't a guarantee, but it certainly was the goal. So I don't think you can be surprised by this at all, but th- I mean, it maybe took a year longer than you thought. Cause last year was a little bit of a wiggle, but but this is what happens when you get sick of the same old, same old, and you try something different and you build to it. Baker's good. He's not magical. You know, the Bills wound up getting Josh. Josh Allen looks more magical from week to week than Baker does, but he's a good quarterback. You know, Jarvis Landry is not magical. He is a hard-nosed football player that John Dorsey's made a smart move to get. Right? Like, they did a lot of smart stuff, and, and it hurt, man. It hurt to get here. But I love process in everything. I, I you know sometimes you luck into stuff. Bill Belichick's a genius. He lucked into it, man. No luck here. No luck. Where's the luck here?
1: This is playing all... the
4: NFC East. Is that the magical part? Is that the luck
1: part? No. Sean no, Watson tore his ACL. What's that? Sean Watson tore his ACL. There's luck. There's always luck. There's always luck.
5: So the other thing is, and I'm I'm I almost sent a message on Twitter, but. Um, I didn't because it wasn't the time for it. I hope this is the end of the doomsday Browns bullcrap, which has drugged down this fan base and the media is a part of it. Every snarky media jerk who thinks it's funny, every time the Browns fumble and it's like, here we go again. Do you realize that's what happens to football teams? It's embarrassing the way people behave. Fans can do whatever they want to do. And I understand why fans are frustrated. People are stupid. I hope this is the end of the stupid, historic stupidity about same old Browns. It's not. So just stop with your stupid snark. It's not funny. It doesn't help the fans. If you're a frustrated fan, I get it. But it's dead. Today, killed it. And this was not same old Browns. Their whole receiver room got COVID taken out. The day before the game last week, and they got screwed. But it's not their fault. So, like, it I, I didn't live through the drive and the fumble and everything else. So I understand the people who did that. There's a lot of jerks out there who ruined the fun. This was a lot of hard work that went into this. This was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for this fan base. I hope that crap is dead. That's not what I wanted to say.
1: I, I got to experience a little bit of that today. Ellis, we'll come to you here. I, uh, I tweeted when the Browns up, went up 24-9 to uh, go ahead and start Google mapping your way to Heinz Field because the Browns will be there next week. My mentions were not a fun place for a, a few minutes there. Ellis, uh, What is uh, you, you haven't been around this as long. Right. So I, I guess how do you see this?
3: For me, it's Doug's on the right track when it comes to taking this season and putting it in a vacuum because that's exactly what it is. I understand that there are parts from maybe a few seasons past that are here. And of course, you know, a few seasons prior to that help you acquire those parts. I understand all of that. But uh, if we're talking process, that's exactly what the Browns started respecting and taking seriously this year was the process of winning and maturing into that and not talking about it and just doing it. This team matches the mantra and the demeanor of their head coach, and that is how franchises are built—the successful ones around this league. You're a product of that person on the sidelines who's making the critical decisions. You know, Pete Carroll's teams have a, a fire and a competitive edge to them, and a smunkiness to them that sometimes costs them because he's Pete Carroll. We, of course, do not know everything about Kevin Stefanski yet, and his process and is continuous growth as a head coach but from a season to season basis this is the one season we have and what Stefanski showed is it's just about doing the work and it's about being so detailed and over prepared to the point where rather than just being the team that makes the mistakes and we've talked about this before now the Browns win off the mistakes others make and that's competent football which then translates to winning football and now the Browns are in literally uncharted territory at least for you know a new a newer generation of fans to write a postseason story because this changes completely if they win in Pittsburgh you know that that really bookends this entire season getting here was the first major step but I don't think Baker Mayfield and company are saying you know this is we're not satisfied yet we're not done just because it's game talk you know they they mean that they are they are a product and that is being spoken to them in the locker room for so for this season this is what happens when the process is taken seriously and the the demons of seasons pass are quite frankly completely ignored this is what happens
1: i can't believe everybody's so quiet on here we got We're all so these people in, They're people sitting here watching and they're so quiet. The Browns just made the playoffs today. You're all so quiet. You don't want to talk trash to Pittsburgh as this team heads to Heinz field or call your shot that they're going to win the AFC or something, or come on, somebody give us something. Y'all are just quiet. I know you're excited. I know you're happy. Ellis, I want to get to the point you just made though about Kevin Stefanski. And I think it's really important. And I'm actually really like that you brought up Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll has his flaws you know, especially, you know, as an in-game coach, but you know what the Seahawks are, and you know how he values, like, competition is so important to him, and they're always going to bring in guys to compete, and, and that's just how it is in Seattle. That's what you do, and they have this, this way of doing things, and I think very quickly this year we've figured out with the Browns that Kevin Stefanski has a way of doing things. Kevin Stefanski has a way that he, even today after the game. And again, maybe it's different if we're in the locker room, but even today after the game, it was, it was business, man. It was, we're not done. We're not happy with just making the playoffs, which I know is a little cliche, but you, I didn't get a sense from guys sitting in those zoom rooms that it was all smiles and just, you know, celebration. And and I think that's really part of the culture Kevin Stefanski has brought. And we hear it when they post those post-game speeches on, on Twitter, like, He's always saying like, okay, here's what happened this game. Now let's get to work. And, and I feel that's sort of the culture that, that he's trying to instill in this
0: football team.
3: I completely agree, Dan, because when a football team becomes about their business, it translates into being detail oriented. And we've talked at length about how the biggest strength of this offense is its red zone efficiency. And though there were they were sloppy between the twenties today, though I can't explain why, after that fourth down the turnover on downs with four minutes to play in the fourth quarter, Nick Chubb had, you know, 12 carries for hundred yards and 8.2 average and was only sitting at 12 carries with three minutes to play. I can't explain that, but in those moments where you, the details matter the most red zone and a two point conversion with the game on the line, the Browns win. And I understand that it's a Steelers offense with Mason Rudolph. And the last time they stopped a two point conversion, it was in Jacksonville. But again, You can be a little inconsistent and ride the wave of an NFL game if you are expert at the details, because that's when they show up in the big moments. And that's what this team has done from really week two on. They're experts in the red zone, and this defense steps up in those gotta-have-it downs, and that's why they're in the playoffs. And it's a product of what we've been talking about with what Kevin Stefanski's brought to Berea.
4: I think Stefanski, well, at least in the AFC, he's the only first-year coach in the playoffs, at least, unless I'm missing somebody. Um, I mean, that's just an accomplishment on itself in such a weird year. Yeah. I mean, they talked about it over and over on the, 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 uh, the pressures after the game uh, about what it was like to get to this point when you couldn't really be around your team for such a big part of the year, you know, trying to get something off the ground when you're doing it through Zoom. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, how many guys – How many guys could have come in here and done that uh, after so much dysfunction here? And I think he needs to be commended for that.
1: Sorry, had some noise in the background, I was muted. Finally got some hands raised and I knew, I just knew when I called out for hands to be raised, I knew exactly who would come through for me first. And so we will go to our guy, Shannon, who has been waiting patiently to be our first uh, contributor here on our post-game show.
6: Dan, (laughs) unbelievable. Thank you for responding. So many people have no idea the communication you and I have had over the last week or so. But my goodness, this feeling, and I, I really and truly, I tried to post a video supposedly my wife took it while I just started dancing to the flash dance what a feeling thing oh my gosh this is unbelievable this is not really a question for any of you I'm just like I'm just ecstatic I'm happy and I uh, thank you for like including me on this because I know Dan, Dan and I have had some, some issues like he's been helping me in a lot recently but my gosh what a feeling guys. What a feeling. The Flashdance song, play it. If you too young to know it, play it, love it. Go Browns, baby. Sorry. <laughs> That's all That's right.
1: Now, now, now we got the hand, now we got the hand raising going. See Shannon just opened the floodgates for us. Yeah. For those of you out there that don't know, uh, you know, we do everything here at cleveland.com. We do, uh, we write, we do video, we podcast, we do customer service, all sorts of stuff. We've been helping Shannon try to figure some stuff out on the customer service side of this, but we've been able to at least get him coming through these post-game shows. Uh, Our guy Tyson with uh, the playoffs in the background, he's got his hand raised. Go ahead, Tyson.
0: Hey, first off, happy new year. It's been a great sports weekend for Ohio with the Buckeyes and the Browns. Um, but uh, two just two things. And first, I actually like the defensive game plan. Um, they threw a lot of 50-50 balls and it really seemed like they won 80% of those 50-50 balls. So do you uh, do you roll the same thing out next week? And then uh, two, I felt like Kevin was saving Chubb for next week. It seemed like he was on a pitch count similar to Garrett. Uh, I just want to know what you guys think, your thoughts on that.
1: Um, I, I don't know about the pitch count for Chubb, but you know, it did get me, that did get me thinking when you said that. Um, I think Garrett was on a little bit of a pitch count today. It seemed like uh, that last drive, when the Ste- I think it was the, the drive the Steelers scored on. Uh, Garrett was not on the field early in that drive. He finally came out on third down. Um, and he kind of stayed on the field because the Steelers want a little bit of tempo, but um, I, you know, look, I, I still think it bears watching with Garrett kind of how, how much they can use him and have him on the field and, and how much he's still kind of struggling a little bit. I thought he was really good against the jets today. Maybe he was on a little bit of a pitch count. We'll, we'll kind of see when the snap counts come out. Did any, anybody with me on that here, Scott, you're, you're kind of giving me a look like maybe not. Um, yeah, it was hard to tell, uh,
4: because they do tend to really rotate those ends. Yeah. Um, and Claiborne had some, uh, success today too, uh, for, for rushing as far as Chubb and Hunt, uh, it was pretty much every other, uh, series for those guys. I think Hunt had a couple in a row because they went to the two minute at the end of the first half. But, um, I mean, they had, I mean, 14 carries for Chubb 10 for Hunt. I think that's probably what, what you're looking for, um, You had a run by Landry in there, one by Baker. So I don't know that that was pretty even. I don't, I don't remember it being that, uh, I guess that definitively split though, you know, as far as different, different series go earlier in the season, but it seemed to work today. And, you know, if if it's for keeping people fresher next week, I guess it makes sense. But at the same time, this is a game you have to have. And if it's going to tire Chubb out, you tire Chubb out.
1: You know what we got to talk about? Doug, go ahead. I mean, it, it doesn't
5: make sense. I mean, if, if that actually was part of the strategy, I mean, it doesn't make sense that the Steelers scored at the end of the game and had a two-point conversion to tie it. So, like, you had to win. So I'm not going to say, I mean, if if honestly, like, anybody was sitting out because they're being saved for next week, none of that made sense. If Miles Garrett is, they do rotate the defensive ends, they have rotated the backs. I think it's all just that. I mean, they almost lost. Like, like that's like, they almost blew it and lost. <laughs> and all credit for them to winning. But if any part of it was like, oh, we're saving some, I mean, that's, in, I, I don't think that's what it was. I do. There have been other times this year where it felt like a team was starting a, they have to have a big drive here against the Browns defense and miles Garrett's not on the field. That's not the first time that's happened. And again, there is a rotation or maybe they're trying to put him in later in the drive or something, but it has happened before.
1: We were real close to this thing coming down to a Cody parkey kick, by the way, real, <laughs> real close. <laughs> and- well, yeah. it would have
4: been to win, though. It wouldn't have been to, like, if he had missed, it would have been tied.
1: You're right. You're right.
4: So I, maybe that takes a little of the pressure off. But uh, he would have been going the other way, away from the dog pound, though, correct? So I guess yes. that would have been in his favor. Yeah.
1: But just, but just yeah. a reminder how, how close we were to this thing coming down to a Cody Parky kick. Ellis, I know you want to say something. I want to bring up another topic here that I just thought of that we haven't even touched on. And I, I do see those hands raised, so keep those hands raised. Um but Ellis, you wanted to say something.
3: Yeah, real quick, did we did was Tyson asking about 50-50 balls?
0: Yes. Uh, yes, he yeah, was.
3: That the Steelers were, were coming down with, you're saying so like Chase Claypool essentially. Um with that, Browns fans are seeing exactly what Cleveland benefited from when the Ravens lost Jimmy Smith or Bradbury was lost in the Giants game, uh just picking on the weak link in, a, in an extreme weak link in the secondary like Doug said a guy who you know, shouldn't be out there. He's just put in an unfair position, but that's what happens on the football field. Miles um, Garrett said something really interesting in his postgame presser that, you know, we're going to get guys back too. And I think that's a really good point because th- that stuff's not happening to Denzel Ward. I know Terrence Mitchell got, got once, but he's been consistent all year and those type of things just happen. I will say the only concerning thing is when you look at the Steelers offense, they probably have like two and a half guys that can just beat you because they're better. Big Ben's, of course, the first one. My half is Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, he's a talented athlete in the slot and a bigger guy than people think. And then it's Chase Claypool, and he's only a rookie. He's the guy who could just, you know, insert his dominance and be in a position to do that again. So him gaining some momentum and some, some confidence now is a little worrisome. But again, Denzel's coming back, and 50-50 balls aren't going to win you a playoff game, especially against a guy like Denzel Ward. As for the Nick Chubb thing, very quickly, I think one thing Kevin Safansky is showing is that as a young play caller and, of course, a, a first-year head coach is that he his MO is he's going to take what the defense shows him rather than him leaning on what an outside perceived strength may be. So we all think Nick Chubb should get 20 carries because he's Nick Chubb and this offensive line is great. I completely agree. But what Kevin Stefanski sees is what a defense gives him – and he believes his quarterback should be capable of beating what's given to him. And those receivers should win as well. And that's why I think we're seeing, you know, these games really be put in Baker Mayfield's hands more than Nick Chubb's. Does that change in the postseason? season? I don't know, but I think it's pretty clear that Kevin Stefanski has complete confidence in Baker Mayfield to carry this offense rather than using the running game to protect a quarterback that, you know, at least coming into the season, we didn't know if he could make plays like that. Stefanski's belief in Baker is, is through the roof. I think he's shown that through this whole second half of the year.
1: Well, and, and going back to the Jacksonville game, this has been a really pass-heavy offense. And by the way, if you are an analytically driven organization, you're going to be a pass-heavy football team. Exactly. Obviously Stefanski, is, Stefanski has shown he's going to do what he needs to do to win a football game, but efficiency starts in the pass game. So no. we, we shouldn't be surprised that that's where they're going. Um, one thing I want to talk about before I get to these raised hands, I know I've been making you guys wait, but we got to talk about this. Uh, and I'm sorry to bring up this downer, but when we were talking about miles Garrett earlier, I realized we got to talk about this other guy, Olivier Vernon. Uh, that injury did not look good. I I did not see what happened. I don't know if they showed replays on, on TV, but all I know is I saw him grab at that ankle. I couldn't tell if it was the back of the ankle or not, which of course would be a whole different issue. He couldn't put any weight on the leg coming off the field. He's going to get MRIs. Um, This guy has become really important for the Browns early in the year, of course, dealing with injuries and and didn't play well. But ever since, you know, ever since probably about the Raiders game, I guess, he's been really important to this pass rush. And he's really important to uh, to Miles Garrett and and the rest of this group. So uh, if they don't have Vernon next week. That's going to be a big that's a really big hit to this defensive line.
4: I think what nine, nine sacks and they've all come since week eight, seven or eight, something like that. You know, he was starting to, you were starting to see maybe what you had expected to see last season, you know, from the, from the edge on the other side, opposite miles Garrett. Uh, He was finally getting there and yeah, that would be a big loss because you, I mean, the Steelers don't allow a lot of pressure and a lot of sacks on Roethlisberger as it is, but you don't want to be shorthanded in your attempt to change that and, that might be what the Browns are looking at next week.
5: They've been shorthanded all year. Yeah. This team's, uh, the injury and COVID stuff for the most important players on this team has been unbelievable. I mean, almost everybody on this team who really matters other than Baker Mayfield has missed significant time. Or at least, I mean, even Jarvis missed a whole game and it killed him. So like, yes, but what else is new? And they've won through it all. So they've won without Denzel Ward. They've won without Ronnie Harrison. They won without BJ Goodson. They won without Wyatt Teller. They won without Nick Chubb. They won without Odell Beckham Jr. Like, I don't know. It's It stinks, but, you know, I don't, I don't know what a, I don't even, I feel the Browns had their 12 best players all in the field at the same time. I don't even know what that would feel like. That's insane. I mean, I know it's part of the deal, but it feels like they have taken more than their fair share of it this year. And so I'm not going to sit here and think that like losing Olivier Vernon is the difference between winning and losing because they've won without important guys 11 times.
3: I'll say this about Ovi. It's a huge bummer. He was completely coming into his own, making the type of plays that I'm sure Brown fans thought and expected a year ago, uh, looking healthy. And then something like this happens uh, on, on the field standpoint, of course, being an rusher like that, is stuff that's difficult to replicate but in an offseason thing this is a guy that either they were going to bring back at a a good number or if he goes elsewhere it's a compensatory pick and with the way he was playing it's probably was going to be a third or fourth rounder so it's wait and see um but that's a that's a tough injury both going forward in the postseason and then just as we you know quickly shift to the offseason whenever that does occur
1: yeah, I feel bad for him because I think he was going to get a contract here or someplace else um, right. after the season he had. Uh, let's see. I know we're going to go to Ken here. He's had his hand up the longest. Parmy, I do see you down there waving at the camera, so I'm, I've got you on my list uh, as well. And we got a couple other hands up, so I'm going to go to Ken first. As soon as you unmute. Ken, you can go ahead.
7: All right. You got me? Yep. Very good. Well, I think we should uh, open it up to everybody and do a here-we-go brownies, you know, before this thing's (laughs) over tonight. That
1: would would get Uh, a little messy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
7: You know, my first year season tickets was 1985, and we had a five-year run of, uh, you know, playoffs there through 89. And I didn't know anything different. So uh, this is, you know, awesome to get back there. And I I really feel like this team's going to go as far as Baker takes them. So uh, interested on your comments on that. Secondly, um, I really think Bill Callahan being absent today was uh, a difference. Uh, We had several uh, offensive line penalties, which was unusual for us. And um, so I wonder what your thoughts are on that. And then finally, uh, Phillips playing the the mic on defense. I thought he played an outstanding game. And, uh, you know, I think that could be uh, somebody that's uh, a great future for us. So, you know, really excited. Can't wait to get the Browns back to the playoffs and uh, next year I predict home playoff games.
1: All right, there we go. Um, Phillips was really good today. I thought, um, you know, we'll see what those grades look like when they come out, but I thought he was really good. And I think he gets credit for that interception. Um, he, he brought the pressure up the middle, just blew through led to a bad throw and MJ Stewart made the play on the other end. So I thought Phillips was really good. The penalties, I, I think they're going to miss Bill Callahan this week. I really do not having him on the practice field, not having him. I mean, he'll be on the virtual meetings, so they'll have that part of it. Uh, but I, I do think they'll feel that loss, but I'll say this. I don't think like Joel Batonio's false starting twice. I, I don't know if that's because Bill Callahan wasn't there. I, 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 Joel Batonio can't do that. You've been here, You've been in the league since 2014. You got to do better. Um, but, but yeah, Jacob Phillips kind of thrown in there, has the green sticker. What'd you guys think?
4: But yeah, he had the pressure on the, on the pick. I, like, I mean, it was a good game for him to be in there and be in that position because the Steelers can't run. And I know we talked before on some of these podcasts about James Conner and how he you know, tends to explode against yeah, they, the Browns. they finally
1: stopped James Conner.
4: Yeah, they finally. He, just, he was finally just James Conner today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, if, I've been waiting all year for Jacob Phillips to get a shot maybe with Mac Wilson in there and to see what that looks like. Neither one of those guys is really impressed this season. We saw them both in there uh, a little bit today. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what you take away from this game. He, he did what he had to do and he made a great play on the pick. But um, if it has to be Jacob Phillips again next week, I guess you feel a little better about that than you did going into this
1: game. Okay, let's go to uh, Parmy's been waving at the camera here. I'm going to unmute her and you can go ahead when you're ready.
8: Um, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the game and rewind it, but it seems like Stefanski was consistent with Hunt and Chubb. He went every other drive the whole game. I think if you go back and look, it was every other drive. And I don't know if you could ask him this in a press conference, but it seems like he had a different package when Hunt was in there than when Chubb was in there. I don't know if the plays are different because Hunt does different things, but I think the Browns, every drive they scored on was a Chubb drive and not a Hunt drive. I might be wrong on that, but he went every other drive the whole game. So he didn't, he didn't like adjust to Chubb is really having a good game. We'll play him more. So I don't know if that was, obviously it must've been by design or if he was trying to do stuff for next week. He'll probably never answer. If you ask him (laughs) for packages, He'll never give that to the opposition, but it seemed to me that he did that the whole game.
1: Yeah, I, I can't, I can't speak to that um, specifically, but I mean, you might be right. They do tend to alternate the one- Listen, I'll say this. Stefanski has stuck to his plan with those two guys. I think all year, I, I don't, uh, do you guys remember him kind of doing the, I'm going to ride the hot hand thing with those two guys, or it seems to me like he sort of stuck with his plan throughout.
3: Yeah. He's been, he's been flipping them um, consistently like that all year. As for this specific game, if it was every other drive like that, that's a great observation and something I'm definitely going to look for in the rewatch now in terms of what they're accomplishing with either on the field. I don't think a lot of the variance in what they're going to call unless we're talking goal line stuff, but between the twenties, they, their playbook is pretty open for the most part. I mean, We've seen Nick Chubb go in the slot and run unders, go out wide and run hitches, and, and Baker even threw him a vertical on a range, which was essentially a throwaway today probably. But I, I, I'm pretty confident the playbook stays open regardless of the back and the personnel around them. And as for switching them drive-by-drive, drive, that may have just been, you know, now we're shedding some light maybe on a, you know, quote-unquote pitch count, or at least preserving them the best you can in an idea of you know winning this week, but keeping next week in mind—that might have been what was behind that all along.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I I don't really mind it. Tyson is uh, Tyson is in the chat saying he hopes next week is the week we see them both on the field at the same time. I don't know. I mean, he's he's pretty much stuck to his guns that he's going to alternate them and uh, he, he's going to stick to that plan. But we'll see what happens in the uh, in the playoffs if anything changes. Uh, I believe. David Norman or David Norman Cohen, uh, you've had your hand up the longest here. So I'm gonna ask you to unmute and you can fire away.
9: Hey, thanks. Uh, Thanks for your coverage. Um, Emotional weekend for me. I've been following the Browns. Uh, I distinctly remember in 1965 watching from my grandfather's uh, TV, the Browns and the Packers. Uh, And I lived through uh, sites and the fumble in Ohio State. I distinctly remember watching Woody Hayes punch that Clemson player. So for this weekend, for the Buckeyes to be, get that Clemson monkey off their back and the Browns to get that playoff monkey off their back were huge uh, for me. The I am a little surprised to hear uh, at the beginning you guys, uh, I, with as much weight on the shoulders, and, and for me, you know, 40 years of weight, uh, to for you guys to, indi- to to sort of indicate that you thought that the Browns might have been playing at a little vanilla and holding something back, uh, I found uh, really interesting because for me, it was like a, a bit do or die. That was pretty gut. If that was the case, I hope that was the case because it was closer than it should have been. And I thought keeping Chubb on the sideline side was an interesting camera shot when they showed him over there. He was clearly having a better day than Hunt. Do you guys really think uh, that Stefanski was, was that forward-thinking or that prescient to think we're going to win this game by two points and I'm going to still have the luxury of holding something
1: back? I, I think it was more – I'm, I'm going to go kind of with the point that Ellis made earlier. I think it was more this team just couldn't practice. That, that's kind of what I – that's kind of where I'm leaning and they didn't even have the receivers for one of those practices. They had two practices. They lost their walkthrough. So I I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with Ellis on that one and and go down that line. We got three hands raised here. I want to get through these three hands and there's one other thing I want to talk to you, uh, talk to you guys about as we head into the playoffs. So I'm going to go to Zach. Uh, You can unmute when you're ready.
3: Dan, you have to understand you were on this vanilla thing for a very long time. You're the anti-Christian Gray here. I mean, <laughs> you were on this early, my friend. Don't give up on it. Don't give in to Dan. It's uh, not true.
5: It's not true. You're not. Don't give Dan credit for that. They practiced for like 35 minutes this week. And then, fair, by right? the way, when they needed a touchdown at the goal line, they handed off to Jarvis Landry on right? a little uh, inside handoff there. So
3: that's right. sounds like a little <laughs> practice to me. But with the no roll, we, we didn't have a lot of rollouts today. Uh, there weren't any trick plays. So, I mean, that just kind of sticks to the vanilla I- idea. I think he was holding it a little close to the chest. Um, but the one thing I do want to mention, there were a lot of false starts. Well, was that the Bill Callahan effect? Was he home? Was that, was that why? Is that what we're thinking? Or, uh, But basically, I'm going to end it with, guys, we got a seat at the table. We're going. We're eating. We're at least getting an appetizer here, folks. We're going to the playoffs. It's exciting stuff. So, go Browns. I'm excited. Thanks for everything.
1: All right. Uh, That was great. You know, again, I I don't know how much not having Bill Callahan factors into the false starts. Um, You know, again, I I think I, if if you're Joe Petoni, if you're a veteran guy, you just can't do it. Uh, What one thing I Ellis, you want to say something? I know this, but somebody did point out um, in the chat that Stump Mitchell is also responsible for kind of who goes in at running back. So um, that's worth noting going back to that running back discussion. Go ahead, Ellis. I just
3: think very quickly, it's important to note that just the gravitas of this moment, the importance of this game and the simple nerves that 100% went into this could also explain a few false starts or Baker Mayfield throwing that fourth down out to Richard Higgins a bit in the dirt. I mean, these are still critical high stake moments. And despite being Joel Batonio or Baker Mayfield, not that you're allowed those slip ups, but for the Browns to be playing for an opportunity that hasn't happened in 17 years, there's also just some weight of the moment likely on these athletes too at the same time. I do think we might
5: underestimate that practice is important. Like you just, I mean, you're just trying to, you know, you just, you got to get out and do it every day to like keep sharp. So I do think the fact that they were so thrown off in the Jets game and then they come back and their practice is so just blown out of the water this week. It is hard to be sharp. It has been hard the last two weeks for them to be on their P's and Q's. But I think Ellis makes a really interesting point. The idea that you lost to the Jets and now you're playing the Steelers backups at home to break this playoff losing streak. All the pressure was on the Browns today that they felt like they were going to blow something. Maybe I think next week there's no pressure on them they're in the playoffs. They've broken the streak. They're on the road. They're the underdog. The Steelers started the year 11 and zero and then fell apart. I I think the Browns can play very, you know, with no burden. Yes. It'd be great to win a playoff game, but I, I just think there's a really good chance because of that, the psychological part of it. And if they just can practice this week, I think they might be much sharper next week than they were today. And then if they're that, then it's, then it's game on, even against all those Steelers' best
1: players. Okay, let's go to uh, Terry Cosma. He's had his hand up. So, Terry, when you're ready, you get yourself unmuted. Go ahead.
4: Yes, well, I'm as
6: excited as everybody about what happened today. Just wanted to mention to the texters, uh, this was a very rough week. I was afraid every
5: time my phone dinged, and it happened so many times, and it was always bad
6: news. I'm just I was so relieved just to get to game day and get that ding that no one else was going to be out.
1: Yeah, this was a uh, this was a week where the news kind of was bad a lot, but at the same time, we talked about this kind of in an early week pod. There was enough good news. I mean, they got all their receivers back. They got guys back on the offensive side. Um, I, I think probably the worst carryover from all of this right now depending on Kevin Johnson's situation is that they might not have Denzel Ward against Pittsburgh Um, but other than that for kind of as much bad news as kept coming across I think the Browns might end up not being too much worse for the wear coming out of it now again we'll see what happens this week who knows but uh, you know I I said this with Mary Kay at the top COVID is COVID is going to play a role in these playoffs and you just kind of hope that it's already sort of done what it's going to do to the Browns. And once they get Denzel back, they've, they've moved past it. Uh, Alex, you're going to be our, uh, you're going to be next up here. Go ahead. When you're unmuted.
0: Okay. At the risk of letting my Cleveland hang out, I want to go back to Doug's point in the very beginning. And I think it a little bit of context that I think getting a seat at the table to Zach's point is really, really big, but fans are just waiting for something to go wrong as this week, kind of illustrated I think that we were waiting for bad news and I think the same thing applies to this team I think that we're just waiting for the we the way the Jets game went and then going into pit like it just all felt like it was gonna happen again like we just were gonna be relying on other teams to get us in we weren't gonna be able to do it despite our confidence in this team so I just want to say that's a condition that we've had for many many years and I hope that there can be some playoff wins behind this. While I I know that this is a process, to Ellis' point. Like, I feel like we're really starting to follow that and have less kitchenisms, if you'll call it. Like, this is actually how you're supposed to go about winning. I'm just – I really need a playoff win, I think, in order to get off that expecting something bad to happen. And I felt like just getting a seat at the table isn't going to do that. It's going to require some success, I feel like.
5: So I understand – Alex, what you're saying about having the condition. I just want to tell you that the vaccine is here, but you have to take the vaccine. You have to be willing to take it. (laughs) So I know what you're saying, but also, so the vaccine is in two doses and the first one gives you some degree of immunity, but then you've got to get the second dose for full immunity. This is the first dose. So take the first dose and I get it, be safe out there still. It's okay. Keep your mask on, go out in the world, but then, and the playoff victory is the second dose, but I would advise you that to not only wait for that, right? Because this team, all, all that stuff did happen and they still found a way, right? They still found a way and they are, they are really competent. They are talented and, I just I wouldn't want you to like be, um, you know, have like a knot in your stomach in the off season if the Steelers beat them next weekend. Right. So I just think that's out there. And the other thing is, I just want to make this point before we leave. Culture really matters. Let's not forget this team is talented and I could have a, a 10 hour podcast with somebody about whether culture leads to talent or talent leads to culture. We know they had a lot of the same players last year and it didn't work. So culture obviously does matter. When these guys are healthy, they have some really good football players. Yeah, they have some holes, but they have some really good football players. So take that in too. But Alex, I got you lined up, baby. Come on through the CVS. No waiting in the parking lot. I get you right in
1: the tent. Get that shot in your arm.
4: And just like that, Doug's column for tomorrow is written. (laughs) There it is.
1: Somebody in the chat said that Baker Mayfield is uh, Moderna. Miles Garrett is Pfizer. (laughs) Who else is that? I don't, I don't even know all the other, all the other uh, vaccine brands that are, that are coming through, but uh, there we go.
5: I'll ask Kevin Stefanski this tomorrow on the Zoom. Kevin, would you feel comfortable with me comparing Operation Warp Speed to what the Browns did this year making the playoffs?
1: Okay, so, so Alex kind of led me into this. This wasn't a specific question I was going to ask, but we were having this discussion kind of all week long you know, if the Browns would have lost this game, was this season a success? And we, and we were getting different answers from people. Do they have to win a playoff game? I, I mean, somebody in the, in the chat said house money. I, I feel to me like, personally, I felt like if they would have lost this game and not made the playoffs, I still would have looked at the season and, and said it was a success based on what they built. And so I still kind of stand by that. Like they've made the playoffs. And to me, you've got your head coach, Seems like you got your GM. You're going to go into a fourth year with the same starting quarterback. I I don't know. If they go to Pittsburgh and they lose next week, yeah, it, it's disappointing. But I, I feel really good about the direction this football team is headed. This doesn't feel like a flash-in-the-pan season like 2007 or 2002. And, and I know windows can close quick, but it sure feels to me like this one is just starting to crack open here for this football team.
3: Dan, that, that's exactly it because... You know who has to win a playoff game this year? The Steelers, the Saints, teams that are back up against the cap and have real tough decisions to make this offseason that tend to be tied to an older quarterback and contracts that they have put them in a win-now situation. The Browns are in a win-now position just because of, you know, great coaching, decent roster building, and situation. But this window has is, is just started. They play in an offense that is not tailored to a specific um, player or two. This is about a, a foundation that has clearly been laid this year. Uh, I believe it's sustainable. And if you disagree, then go look at what uh, Kyle Shanahan has been doing and Sean McVay and teams that focus on a balance rather than um, having your athletes win when they focus on a scheme and a system. And the, the forecast only gets better going forward. This team is taking care of their cap situation and they're getting healthier on defense and they hit a home run in the draft this year, basically with every selection and they're so that considered Andrew Barry and this team know how to make things happen in the draft going forward. So the window's just opening and everything on top to me is gravy.
4: Yeah. I'm still in Dan's camp. Uh, and I think I said that last week too, that this game didn't matter as far as feeling good or confident about the future. Everybody would have been really upset if they had lost today and they, you know, uh, and they didn't make the playoffs and, but that would have worn off. And I think everybody would have been able to see, you know, that everything's pointing in the right direction here. So yeah, I think it is kind of icing on the cake, that kind of situation at this point for the Browns.
5: And I do, I saw someone on Twitter make this point. I think, The Patriot success with Brady and Belichick has thrown it off for some people because they even had a lull in between the two Super Bowl uh, zones there, and like what the Chiefs are doing right now can throw it out. Like that's rare. Like you can't just say if if you're not that, then you're disappointed. I think it's about being in the mix every year, making the playoffs a lot of the time, and then you got to break through. You got to punch through and win a couple playoff games at some point. But I think that's what this is now. You know that you know, the, the 49ers were in the Super Bowl very recently. And then they have a little bit of a down year, but no one wants to fire Kyle Shanahan. They're going to get some stuff figured out and they're still going to be good. And I think that's the zone. The Browns are entering here where there are many years ahead where they are going to be consistently competitive in the playoffs a lot. And then, yeah, you can't be the Bengals, right? You can't be the Andy Dalton Bengals and make the playoffs every year, but literally never win a playoff game. So maybe at some point, some Bengals fan early in the process was like, Hey, we just made it. We're good. And then by, by the end, when you literally never won a playoff game, you're like, I can't believe that happened. But that's them. That's them. that's their deal. So yeah, but this is this is all real. It's gonna stay. And if not this year, next year. And if not next year, the year after. By the way, third place schedule next year, 13 and
1: 3. Which which includes the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah.
5: So I mean, the, it's um... all setting up, baby. It's all setting up. <laughs>
1: right. It's about where you are. It's about where you are as a franchise, right? The Buffalo Bills this year, the Buffalo Bills go out and lose their first playoff game this season. That is devastating. That's, that's, they are at a point where that's unacceptable. That is a failure if they lose their, their first playoff game this year. The Browns aren't to that point. Now, if they lose next week, are you going to be disappointed? Are you going to be sad? Are you going to wish they would have beaten the Steelers? Sure. And after the game, we'll talk about why they lost and we'll try and figure it out. And we'll, Talk through it, but it's not a devastating way for this team season to end. Now, next year, that might change. Year after that, that might change. As this roster gets more expensive, that contention window opens more and more, that pressure builds. You know, just winning this game doesn't mean as much. But that, that's not where this franchise is at yet, at least to me. And I, I think uh, I think most of the people are uh, are agreeing. Third place schedule, I love it. We're already on the third place schedule. We don't have to talk about future opponents this year because it doesn't matter yet. The Browns have a game next week.
5: But I also do think as like Baker and everybody keeps saying, this is a new standard. I also think it's fair. I think this is, so this is the end of that old kind of thinking, but it is the beginning. I think not this year. I think next year starts the beginning of the new kind of thinking, which is like, uh, ugh, only 10 and six. What's wrong with these guys? Which is, that is the privilege. Just wait, Browns fans, that is privilege. Just wait, you are like two years away from being ticked off about 11 and five. What (laughs) a world that is gonna be to be disappointed in your successful team. That's the dream, baby. So like that's now. but we are gonna start holding up. I'm gonna view them in a completely different way, right? I mean, this is like the little engine that could. But we are going to start being at the point of like, what do you mean you lost? You didn't make the AFC championship game. What's wrong with you guys? I've been doing that for 15 years at Ohio State, but like, that's where you are. It is a privileged area to get to that point. But I think legitimately the Browns are going to get there and
3: we'll all love it. Yeah, to to Doug's point, if the Browns are entering an era with Kevin Stefanski that is even, you know, 75% Or if Kevin Stefanski is next in line on this Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay run of young offensive minded, but total team building coaches and play callers, then the quarterback doesn't matter. What happens next week doesn't matter. That's the hardest thing to get aside from the Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Tom Brady is the, the CEO of a franchise that takes care of all the other issues because they know how to pull every string the right way. If Kevin Safansky follows that trajectory of Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, their Browns Sands are in a far better spot than anyone would have ever thought.
1: But let's use those two guys as an example to remember how hard it is, though, that the work that the work is just beginning, right? It's hard. Sean McVay is playing a game right now as we're recording to get into the playoffs like the Browns did today. Kyle Shanahan has dealt with injuries. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They're not going to go to the playoffs this year. It's hard. So when the Browns do get to that point, and I'm with Doug, I think that starts next year where you have those opportunities. You can't miss them. You've got to go for them. Okay, real quick here before we go, because I've kept everybody here forever. Um, We're going to talk about that AFC playoff picture and what we know. So every week I send our Browns crew an email. It's usually on Friday afternoon. I collect our picks for the games. So we're going to do three, kind of a a three-number scale here, okay? So we're going to go team by team. If I send you, hey, send me your pick for this game, we're going to say, no way you're picking the Browns. Eh, I might think about it. Or I'm definitely picking the Browns. Okay, you can just real quick one-word answers uh, if you want to do that. Let me pull up the standing so I make sure that I have everybody. And we will, of course, start at the very top of the conference the Kansas City Chiefs. I send you the email. The Browns are playing the Chiefs on the scale of no way, yeah, maybe, or definitely picking the Browns. This I'll be easy, say,
5: guys. I'll say maybe. I will say maybe just oh. because, I mean, there's enough data out there. Aaron Schatz at Football Outsiders has been talking a lot about the chiefs and the Packers one year were 15 and one and lost their first round playoff game. And like all this stuff that's happening with them that I think a lot of people are taking as a mirage or they're bored. There might be a little more to it than that. I don't know how the Browns would cover Tybee kill and Travis Kelsey. Like I admit to that, but I think there's a slight chance that the chiefs are 10% more vulnerable than any of us would think, which would lead me to not say definitely no, but I would say like probably no.
3: After the Giants game, I wrote that the Browns could beat the Chiefs based on what I saw. To, okay, so the Jets game happens, throw that one out. But then based what I saw today, getting everyone back, I just can't comfortably say that they would even have a shot. You know, it, it was ugly today, but these things change week to week again. So I want to be clear about that. They go ahead and, and they go beat the Steelers full strength in Pittsburgh. Now we're having a different conversation, but based on the on-field product today, I think the Chiefs take care of them pretty easily. Uh,
5: are the Browns allowed to practice the week before they play the Chiefs or no? Normal week. Normal week of practice. Oh, normal week of practice. So they actually get to practice. Does half the team – is half the team out with contact tracing or not half the team out?
1: Well, I don't know. But Kevin Stefanski might keep it vanilla for the Super Bowl. That's
5: true. He doesn't want to give anything away because he, does, he doesn't want Sean Payton to get an edge. <laughs> so they'll slow play it. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing, too. I mean, I'm, I know what you're saying – uh, their I, best, their best. If they could be at their best, I think I, I wouldn't give them definitely no.
1: I'm, I'm saying no way just because I know how quickly the Chiefs can score even when it seems like they're sleepwalking. And I just saw Mason Rudolph complete some pretty uh, – I, I, I've seen some, some quarterbacks that aren't Patrick Mahomes have a lot of success throwing the ball against this defense. So I'm, I'm going no way. Scott, what about you?
4: Yeah, uh, Mason Rudolph completed five passes uh, of third down and eight or longer today and a fourth and ten. So, I mean, Mahomes does that without looking. Um, <laughs> sure, I'd pick the Browns because I hate predictions, and I want to go back in time and slap the sports editor who decided to have all his <laughs> football writers predict games every week. Um, but do I think they would win that game? Like, no, probably not. So that's probably the, the only no way on this entire list I'm going to give you.
5: I, I will say, I- if anybody – I get your picks. If you're basing it on what happened today, that's, that's wrong. It's like, okay, what would Patrick Mahomes do to Robert Jackson – Okay, are the Browns playing their fifth best corner against Patrick okay, Mahomes? Okay, but I or?
1: I also saw what Lamar Jackson did to the Browns throwing the ball.
5: I don't think the defense is good. I'm just saying. Okay, then make that argument. Don't make a Mason Rudolph argument when the Browns
1: didn't have. <laughs> oh no,
4: that's not the reason I'm picking defensive I'm, starters. I'm just pointing out that Mason Rudolph had incredible success on third down today.
1: Okay, um, next up, real quick here, this is an interesting one. Buffalo. I can be quick. Go ahead, Dan. oh go ahead, Ellis.
3: Yeah, I would say there's a chance, but Buffalo's offense, they're the hottest team in the league. Their offense is just as scary as the Chiefs right now. The only thing the Browns have in their advantage that I really like is that Buffalo's run defense is pretty weak. It would mean Kevin Stefanski actually leaning on the run rather than letting, you know, Baker sit in shotgun. But because of that advantage, I think Buffalo could get got by a team, you know, Titans, Baltimore, or Cleveland, despite how scary their offense is.
1: Can I – can I just clarify, too, like, as we're talking about this, there, there is the acknowledgement here that, like, in a one-week playoff, anything can happen. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, look, the Browns could go to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs on any given Sunday. But I'm just talking, like, normally. So, I, right now, I'm leaning towards I wouldn't pick the Browns. Um, I just think Buffalo is on fire right now. I think Josh Allen is playing great. I think Buffalo's defense is playing really well. Their only loss since October 25th was the Hail Mary. So I, I think I would, I, I would go Buffalo on that one. I would I would I'll put that in the no way category.
5: I get my same answer as the Chiefs, just on the the slight. I mean I think they're playing better than the Chiefs as you just said, Dan. They're they're playing as well as anybody in the NFL right now. Just the slight chance of like on a big stage, does does Josh Allen? He's never really been quite there before. Would something happen? But probably not.
4: Look, if they're gonna play the Bills, I mean they won. They, they want a playoff game and the Browns have the potential to outscore anybody. So
1: I, I could pick them. What were the options again? Maybe. No way. Maybe. Or definitely. That's a definite. Maybe. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Are there any other, I mean, there's no other, no ways. Right. So of these other teams, we'll, we'll shorten this up. Of these other teams, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Indianapolis. We'll put Indianapolis in. Which are trying to teams?
5: lose. They're trying to lose to Jacksonville right now. but yeah. Right.
1: Which of those teams, I guess, scare you the most? Because I don't think any of those teams really scare me. But which of those teams do you think is the toughest, like, if the Browns play that team in week two, is, like, the toughest of that group? To me, I'll, I'll, I'll read it out so you guys have it. Uh, Pittsburgh – well, it won't be Pittsburgh, but we'll, – we'll put Pittsburgh on the list. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, uh, Baltimore – Indianapolis if you want to throw Miami in there you can who is the the matchup knowing that they're playing Pittsburgh next week who's the matchup that makes you most nervous
3: it's Baltimore no brainer I think they're if you're the if you're the Chiefs I think the team that scares you the most right now is Baltimore that Monday night football game Lamar Jackson got back to being a basketball player and just taking over doing whatever he wants to do to win the football game and now that's what their offense looks like their defense remains physical you know the Baker Mayfield versus pressure and man coverage is what it is, and that team is just a type of unpredictability X factor that it, you you can't scheme for. So to me, Baltimore could beat the Chiefs at this point.
4: Agree. Yeah, the, the Ravens rushed for four hundred yards today on the Bengals.
9: <laughs>
4: oh my uh, Lamar Jackson had ninety-seven. Um, yeah, I would say the Ravens are at the top of that list for sure. But at the same time, I mean. We all saw their last meeting against the Browns, so we know what's possible. Um, but, yeah, the Ravens are definitely, I think, the team that they would have the most, uh, the biggest task against.
1: I think, yeah, I think those are all entertaining games. I think the Ravens scare me the most. The only, the only one that, that makes me a little nervous is I think, like, I'm not scared of Tennessee. The Browns, the Browns would beat Tennessee, but I think that would be a game. That would be a shootout, just any kind of shootout against a team like that would, would make me – give me a little pause. Uh, but I, I think Baltimore is the, the scariest of, of that group. Doug, what do you, you – got I think, somebody I think, different? Oh, go I,
3: ahead. I, I think nationally people would put the Colts on this list. They have a really impressive defense. Their front four can yeah. create pressure, and their offense has been looking all right. I'm not watching this Jacksonville game behind me, and I know what happened in Cleveland. But, but I'm telling you they're just – league-wide, there's a lot of respect for what the Colts have on – Especially the defensive side of the football.
1: Stop. Yeah. They got a they got a banged up offensive okay. line though now too.
3: Right. Jokers.
1: Chokers.
5: Yep. Joe <laughs> Doug, are you, Doug are you saying Baltimore? I said Baltimore. Yeah, definitely okay. Baltimore.
1: All right. There oh, you have it. We just got to talk about playoff matchups. That's where we're at, Browns fans. Thanks everybody for sticking with us. This was an extra long uh postgame show. Uh, but it was fun. The Browns are in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. This has been a fun season going through all these post game shows with all of you. And we get to do it again next week. I think depending on the timing of that game with the Steelers, we'll get to do it after the Steelers game. If we don't, we'll, we'll come back with one of these on, uh, on maybe Monday, but stay tuned for that. The Browns and Steelers playing next week in the wild card round. Uh, Mary Kay who joined earlier, Uh, You just heard from Doug, Scott, and Ellis, and of course from the Football Insider subscribers. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.